Yes, here we are with the week 17 review, the championship review, the fantasy Super Bowl review. Call it what you may. This week has brought either joy or heartbreak. Welcome in and thanks for joining us. We are the Fantasy Tragics. I'm Mike and with me each and every week is Big Max. And Max, we've made it. We have made it through another fantasy season. And can I just just lead off right now with how much I've enjoyed managing a team with you and Aaron. Uh, it's been my first venture into co-managing a team. And for all the listeners out there that are considering it or haven't even given it a thought, I can highly, highly recommend co-managing a fantasy team. But, but this could be due to one key factor, Max. And that is that the fantasy tragics are champions. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. We take it out in our first season. Three guys come together with a dream, and we see it through. Well, well done, Max. Well done, mate. We've made history. It was <laughs> it was a far fetched dream. The Wright brothers, Walt Disney, Max, Mike, and Aaron. Yep. Writ large. Look, it's it, it really was a dream. It was a, a bit of a pipe dream in regards to, hey, you know, let's, for the podcast, let's manage a team together and, and let's lower the hidden agendas of our own personal fantasy teams and be yeah. real open and honest about what we're doing with this team and how it's working and, and things like that. Um, and and, and there, were, there was lots of curveballs uh, that came along the way. The first one was that I wasn't there for the draft, you know, and who knows, had I been, how the team would have worked out. I yeah, we, don't. I'm going to pick up on that later on. Um, I, I think it was really cool though. If anybody hasn't, and everybody hasn't, because <laughs> most people don't, co-managed a team, I actually found it a really fun exercise because instead of sitting there and staring at a problem, and trying to solve it in your own head, you you sort of do this, I don't know, brainstorm, whiteboard. You can just bounce ideas off people, test whether something seems a bit far-fetched, get a understanding of perceived value of players and all that sort of thing. I thought it was a really, really funny exercise with a 100% chance of success. <laughs> like, it just can't fail. It can't fail, I tell you what. Um, I think there was we were potentially lucky uh, having three of us where there was those deciding votes, right? Like if you yep. were going into a co-management with just two, how do you split the decisions? You know, do, you know one time it would be you, the next time it would be me that gets a, to make a, a sit-start decision or whatever. We were never in that position. It was always the three of us, majority ru- ruled, and we moved on from there. Um, yeah. And we hit pretty much every time. There was there's one or two that we we did get wrong, but overall our our sit start hit rate was phenomenal. Yeah, I think like we missed we missed from time to time, but I don't think we ever missed through like, errors of process. You know, like you you can't predict the you know the dark horse who's gonna score two touchdowns on two touches you know that that's that's impossible but yeah uh, yeah i I think the it it sort of reinforced that the thinking was correct most of the way through Mm. Mm. 
Yeah. Now the league that we uh, that we have joined and are in, it was a brand new league, uh, so unsure what the commissioner is going to do next year. Um, I'm on board with saying that the Fantasy Tragic team will be back again next year and uh, and will continue to be co-managed. Uh, if uh, this league doesn't uh, carry on, then we may find another league. Uh, but yeah, I I think uh, I think we're here we're here to stay, especially seeing we're reigning champs as well. You have to you have to come back and defend the title. Oh, exactly. None of this one and done. We we we'll stick around for for a while. But look, uh, it wasn't just uh, the fancy tragics that tasted glory this week, Max. Uh, I myself won my home league, and I myself are very very happy about that. Very very happy. But can I ask you a question, Max? If I told you a team this week started two tight ends. Not one of their positional players scored a touchdown and their QB scored less than 20 points and their number one player left the game early due to an, an injury. Would you think they would have won their matchup? No, that sounds like the fantasy Super Bowl keep you awake at night nightmare scenario. Yeah, you would think that. And then let's add in that they did in fact win and they won it even before they needed Jefferson to play in that final game. Man, that must have been a real pillow fight of a fantasy Super Bowl. Tell you what, it wasn't pretty. It was, uh, I think I said to uh, someone or maybe in the uh, league chat that it was the uh, fantasy uh, Super Bowl that no one asked for and uh, everyone got. Um, yeah, I uh, my team, my personal home league team, Purple Rain, took it out 102.08. And uh, came up against uh, the team Futan Klang, and they scored 82.80, which was their lowest score of the year. And I think that probably hurts more. Like, posting your lowest score of the year in, in the championship round is is heartbreaking. Um, but I don't think I've ever had a week where not a single one of my players has not scored a touchdown. And when you consider Jalen Hurts as my QB in that league, and he didn't get one tush-push touchdown either. I, I count my lucky, lucky stars. I, I got a championship this this week. Yeah, I wanted to query that with you, because that just seemed so incredibly implausible. that you, like Sometimes you get through a whole first half or something mm-hmm. like that, that where yep. no one scored a touchdown. But to get through an entire game with 10 players, there's no way you should have won that. Yeah. Look, we, we haven't really talked about our own uh, personal teams on this uh, in any great detail, but I'll look, I'll, just for the listeners, I'll just quickly run through who the team is to, to make you know even more of an emphasis of why this is incredible that it's happened. Jalen Hurts as the QB, uh, Christian McCaffrey as the RB. Uh, I played Zamir White this week, a, a late switch. Um, I originally had Chandler in the lineup and then went Zamir White. Mike Evans and Justin Jefferson as my wide receivers. Then I went uh, Kittle as my tight end and my flex, Najoku. Um, and then I had Elliott from the Eagles as my kicker in the Colts defense. No touchdowns. <laughs> not 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 in Cooey. Uh, Jalen Hurts threw three passes, the three touchdown passes. So that's that's great. But again, not screwing. He got 19 points. But, you know, again, I'd be wanting 20 from him. It was a, a championship's a championship. And you just got to play what's in front of you. And I'll, I'll take it. But. 
in any other week, I would not be celebrating. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah, play what's in front of you, what you want to have in front of you in championship week was that Futan clan team. I mean, especially when you looked at the second and third playoff uh, scoring, uh, they posted 147 points and 156 points. So, yep, I am glad I wasn't against any of those guys. So, um, it was a bit of a weird week in the NFL, though. Like, there was some weird stuff going on. Like, weird stuff. Did you catch much of the action? Obviously, Happy New Year. I I should have led with that. But um, there was... New Year's celebrations going on, and obviously it's a crazy time of the year. But you catch much of the action. Uh, yeah, Happy New Year to do too. We definitely should have done that at the top of the show. Um, There's other things to touch on, you know. So. <laughs> other more important things than the start of a mm. new year. Um, the the morning games I watched a fair bit of, um, but then we peeled off to go to the beach for New Year's Day. So, and then I didn't even have my phone, so I came back mm. to the car at about six p.m. to find out how everything had gone, which was a bit nerve-wracking. But, no, the, I mean, so the Eagles lost to the Cardinals, which man is inexplicable. Yeah, great word. Yes, totally agree. The Cardinals have only won four games this year. One of them is against the Cowboys. One of them is against the Eagles. That's crazy. Yeah. That doesn't make yeah, any sense at all. It makes no sense. Future Fantasy from last week um, turned out to be an absolute stonker of a game, the Lions-Cowboys games. Boy, what a poor refereeing call that turned out to be to end the game. I'm so glad you brought that up because I I keep thinking about it. The game was three days ago, and I just find myself sitting there and it invades my thoughts again. If we're going to talk about it, we might as well yeah. explain what it is. The Lions scored a touchdown to take them within one point of the Cowboys. The Lions, rather than kicking the one extra point, decided to go for a two-point conversion. They ran trick play where one of the big boys reported as an eligible wide receiver. They threw it to that big boy in the end zone, two-point conversion. But they were called for a penalty because, according to the refs, that big boy had not reported as eligible. When you see the footage, Mm. number 68, the dude who caught the ball, went up to the referee, pointed to his chest, said eligible. The ref nodded, wandered over the defense, told them someone had reported as eligible, and then the play ran. Yeah. Like an absolute horrible call. I was surprised once because the play it came off. They scored the two points, and then the flag got thrown. Blah blah blah. They carried on with the two point conversion though. They they didn't go. Okay, they got penalised. Let's let's take the kick and send it to overtime. They they carried on, which then was another penalty on the defence, which extended well, and brought it them back closer. And so then they played it, went for it for the third time. I thought that was NFL karma, just going, hey, take the kick. Yeah. So, I mean, there are a couple of things there. It was an atrocious call. Like, at worst, they should have had them replay the down because the error was on the referees. But Mm -hmm. one is that Dan Campbell, 
Like when you get pushed back five yards because of the penalty, take the kick, take one point, tie the game, go win it in overtime. Don't yep. don't keep trying to get the two point. Con- I mean, this is the NFL. Don't go for two when you're down by one, when you've got a pretty much guaranteed chance to get the one. Yep. Tie the game and pl- carry yep. on playing. But the other thing is that I don't know if you've seen, but when number 68 was reporting as eligible, number 70 was rushing over to the referee as well, which caused the confusion in the referee's mind. That was obviously the Lions trying to be a bit foxy with the defense, so the defense might make a, make, make a mistake about who was reporting as eligible. Mm. So there is sort of an aspect here where the Lions tried to get a bit too cute doing something that was already a bit too cute. And it all fell apart for them. Yeah. Dan Campbell, after the, in his press conference, said he had walked through the play with the refs before the game. He had already told them, if we get into a position where we need to go for two, a two-point conversion, this is the play. So I thought, I was like, well, that... Yeah. Uh, I mean, what, he could have not sent number 70 running over to pretend a report is eligible. Well, yeah, of course he, yeah. Yeah. That's what he could have done. Yeah, real weird it's still, one. It seems weird to me that in the NFL you could tell the refs, you know, an hour before kickoff, these are some of the things I'm going to try and do. Like, what What a peculiar system. Yeah, right, yeah, you'd never, you'd never hear of that, about that no. in pretty much any, any other sport. Um, the other one that sort of caught my interest, well, the, there was a few, but the Rams winning by one point over the Giants. Um, I was... Oh, I just, would have not have uh, picked that result. And then, well, I guess this may be not, yeah, maybe not an upset, but the absolute hammering the Ra- Ravens gave the uh, Dolphins. Oh, man. Hats off to the Ravens. I have Lamar Jackson um, mm-hmm. in one team where I was playing in the toilet bowl, mm-hmm. and his something like five touchdowns dra- dragged me out of the toilet, which was really, really cool. But yeah, what a lopsided affair. I mean, pretty much yeah. the same as the Ravens smashing the 49ers last week. Yeah. This looks very much like a Super Bowl that Baltimore's going to win. Yeah. They have to be. I don't know what the odds are at the moment, um, betting-wise, but they, they have to be favorites right now. And they've been sneaky, quiet. You know, they've been good, but they haven't been amazing. You know, the the interest has been, you know, severely on 49ers and Cowboys and maybe Dolphins, although... We identified them as flat track bullies a, a few uh, a few weeks ago, and um, I think this proves it <laughs> proves it even more. Yeah, well, it's that it's that whole thing where they don't they're not an exciting team on paper. Mm. You know, like when Tom Brady won all the Super Bowls, and apart from Tom Brady, you couldn't name anyone else on the team. Yeah, it, it's a little bit like that. There's there's Lamar Jackson, a little bit like that, yeah. and he's got sort of a core of adequate wide receivers and. Gussie they wins. Yeah. 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 Gussie Gussie wins. Gussie. Don't forget us, Gussie Yes. Look, um, moving on to uh, Team Fantasy Tragic and uh, the victory lap Tuesday that it is, uh, as alluded, is, it's a fantastic week for us. And, and we've taken taken home the silverware. Uh, we've managed to post 132.58 points, uh, overcoming uh, our opposition 108.80. Um, and it was a performance. Uh, apart from Kyron Williams, and I'll talk about him very soon, uh, that you would expect every week from our players, but not the one you wanted from your stud players. Um, 
all but one player scored over 15 points. Everyone got the ball, but didn't ball out is sort of how I'm looking at our team this week. Uh, so a quick breakdown there. Matt Stafford, 14 points. Zamir White, 15 points. Kyron Williams, 30 points. Mike Evans, 10 points. Jefferson, 10 points. McBride, 10 points. Tyreek Hill, 13. We had Gay coming in as our kicker from Indy, 12 points. And we played the Browns defense this week, who scored us 15 points. It was a good team. I was confident going in. Uh, we were going up against McCaffrey uh, and Armand St. Brown and Olave. That made me nervous, mm-hmm. but but we, we got the win. Yeah, it was a very weird fantasy score because usually what you have is three guys let you down and two guys carry you over the finish line. You know, you, you don't you don't have everybody scores 14 points and your 10 players give you 140. Whereas this week, it's double digits all the way down. It's, I'm sure we're going to dwell on it. I had a look at the team and it struck me because initially I was looking at Matthew Stafford and I was like, oh, well, he's the fifth quarterback we started this year. And then I started sort of peeling back through the team across the season. Of that championship starting lineup, we mm. drafted one player. Wow, really? Tyreek Hill is the only player in that starting <laughs> list of nine who we selected on draft day. That is very interesting. That was something um, I, I imagine we've got one more uh, one more podcast uh, in us after after this one is a, a yearly wrap-up of our own teams and this team. And that was one thing that... I was going to spend uh, this week going through on my own team was who did I draft? Who have I picked up on waivers and who have I traded for? What was that percentage? So I appreciate, I appreciate that stat about uh, this team already. And was that including the bench? No. So the bench, including the bench, we had four players who we drafted. Tyreek, Josh Jacobs, Madison and Brian Robinson. Right, and everybody right. else was a trade, was a waiver pick, was whatever. Wow, but yeah, Tyreek being the only one that we actually rolled out for Championship Week that had been a draft day decision. That's amazing. That we we have had some great trades and some f- fantastic waiver wire pickups this season, which has been surprising considering that we have been we were the number one seed you know, top of the table for a long time to be able to get those waiver wires was, um, was pretty impressive. Were you nervous at all, uh, you know, sort of going into this game or at halftime of that early bracket or, or anything like that about our team? Or you, you, you saw that we, like I said, we were getting the ball, we were getting the touches, we were getting the looks. It just, the, the touchdowns just didn't come for a lot of the players. Yeah. I- the fact that we played the Browns defense who played on the Friday game mm. and put up 15 points. Yeah, it's a great start, felt right? much yeah. better. Yes. So sort of yeah. going into it with 15 rather than four is a, as a nice feeling. Yes. Um, yeah, look, no, no, the one thing that had me concerned was the Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey stack. Mm that we were playing against mm-hmm. because I figured at any given moment that was going to go up by 10 points yep. as Purdy threw to McCaffrey. And then 10 minutes later, it was going to go up by another 10 points. Yep. Um, 
that that that's what sort of had me feeling a bit ill. But given that we survived that, it was okay. Yeah, it was surprising um, in regards to these uh, the two teams that I was matching up against in the in the, my Super Bowl. Both of them started Cole Komet in their tight end position, who scored a goose egg. And that did he get a target? I think he had one. Yeah. Uh, he and he's been had... playing so well too. Like that's Nope. I take that back. Zero targets. Oh, you've Three. got to have a good look at the Bears. If he I mean he entered the week listed as questionable. Oh, he only he only played thirteen snaps. I mean he was he was obviously one of those questionables that he went out there and ran around and realized that it wasn't good and so he stopped. Laying a goose egg on your in your championship week is just going to hurt. Some real pain there, real pain there. Uh, let's move on though, because I'd like to talk to about one of my heroes. My um, my hero for the week is Kyron Williams, and uh, he's likely my waiver wire pickup of the year. But but for this week, he's my championship week champ. With 87 yards on the ground and three touchdowns, Williams brought it home for the team fancy tragic. Uh, his second best performance on the year netted us 30 fancy points. And with our next best player only scoring uh, 15 points, which was Zamir White, uh, Williams is a shining light this week in our lineup. Uh, going against the Giants, I wasn't expecting the Rams to come away as winners by one point, but the game worked for us. And the only question is now, where does Williams go in next year's draft? Is he a first rounder next year, next year Max? Oh man! I mean, this is the question that we're going to have to ask about so many players this year. Like, I mean, even on the own that, that same team, where does Pukunakua go next year? But the one thing that hangs over Kyron Williams for me is that Sean McVay, the coach of the Rams, that like, uses running backs like their paper towels. You know, <laughs> yeah. when they're no longer drying his hands, they're in the bin. He, he squeezes all the juice out of them and then tosses them away. We saw that with Cam Akers. We saw that with when everybody was injured on the Rams this year. They picked Daryl Henderson back up off the couch because he had played for them previously and knew the system. He played for two games, did well, and then wasn't sent back to the practice squad. They just fired him. You know, that's Sean McVay's attitude to running backs. Mm-hmm. So while Kyron Williams could very, I mean, should, based on his performance, be a first-round pick next year, I think that will drag him drag him down. Yeah, you, you, yeah, I, I could see you could be very right there. I would be willing to go a first-round pick on him. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to dive into it. Um, I'm not sure what to do with early-round running backs next year. Mm, okay, because... Because running backs break, right? Yeah. Kyron Williams was a star this year, and he went undrafted. Mm-hmm. Running back two on the year was Raheem Mostert, who, if he was drafted, went in the 11th round. Mm-hmm. The running backs who did get drafted in the first round are Tony Pollard, who was terrible, Derek Henry, who would have lost you a championship this week if you even got there with him, mm-hmm. Nick Chubb, whose knee folded backwards two weeks into the season, Aaron Jones, who had one great week and then collapsed. Najee Harris, who, you know, he's been good for the last couple of weeks, but he didn't take you to the championship game. Like, Bijan Robinson, mm. what a letdown. 
Yeah. God, yeah. This is really, really confounding whether there's value in taking running backs early unless they're Christian McCaffrey. I mean, yes, the numbers say that Kyron Williams should go in the first round or the start of the second round. But the risk associated with running backs is big. Yeah, yeah, and I hear that. I think that's, for me, why grabbing one early and if they work out, you end up in your championship week, you know, because I had McCaffrey, we picked up Williams and Team Fantasy Tragic. Both of those guys are absolute studs for the whole year. You know, if they play the starting and they probably led your led your scoring, you know, minus us yeah. having Kyrie Kill as well. But yeah, I, I think if you if you find the one that lasts and is used to the best of the ability, which Robinson wasn't at the Falcons, you're absolutely yeah onto a winner. But yeah. Yeah, I, there's so much to discuss for before the next season starts as far as who's going where and all that. Uh, take take away your uh, your hero there, uh, Max. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, he's someone we've talked about already, but uh, when I say already, <laughs> we've talked about him, I feel like, every week for the last little while, but he deserves it. Tight end for the Cleveland Browns, David Njoku. Because oh, I was only in one, cha- in one championship game, which was Team Tragic, I had to pick a guy who took you through to the top. Thank you. Rolling with a two tight end strategy in your fantasy championship is unconventional to say the least. I can't think of a time, apart from bye weeks where you're desperate, that I've had to do it. No. But choosing to do it, unheard of. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, this week, because there was a lot of questions about the Browns this week because Amari Cooper obviously did what he did last week, 51 points, and then he was inactive for this game. Was that going to kill the Browns' offense because he's Joe Flacco's favorite target and yada, 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 yada. But David Njoku is an unstoppable force. Through the three weeks of most people's fantasy playoffs, he's put up 26.4, 16.4, and 17.4 fantasy points. So good. So good. That's... Travis Kelsey isn't doing that. No, not even close to. I I had flirted with the idea of having Flacco as the my hero of the week, um, but uh, and and that was based on him feeding Najoku and and getting me a championship. But uh, I pivoted away. But it is it is down to Flacco. That's the whole reason that Najoku's getting getting these wins or getting these points. And I thought it was amazing to see at the end of that Browns Jets games. Uh, Jets game this week, how many Jets, old Jet teammates of Flacco came over and gave him a big hug and hey, loved love what you're doing and you, you know, keep it going champ and, and all of this. I thought that was you know, actually talks about the, the stature of the man, right? Yeah, I mean he seems, and you see him after the game, he's like once he's ditched his uniform, he's there in his, what looks like a thermal just cruising around the edge of the stadium, chatting to the fans, just shooting the breeze. Because at this point, while he's obviously an exceptional quarterback, he's no longer a full-time athlete. Mm. You know, literally five weeks ago, he was sitting on his couch watching mm. football on a Sunday, the same as everybody else in America. Yep. And now he's he's living that out again. Yeah, It's it's such a cool story. If he, and yet, I don't see it stopping either. Like, 
these guys are going to keep on rolling. I will have to go and look this up at some point, but because he won his Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens, if he were to win the Super Bowl with the Browns, would he be the first quarterback to win with two different franchises in the same division? It's a good question. I'm going to say no, just because of surely this that's happened before. But yeah, not very often though. Like yeah. it's hard to win one Super Bowl, let alone two, and let alone on two different teams. So it could very well be the case. Very well be the case. And, and the distance between the, those two wins of Super Bowls, if it was to go, that would be the uh, has that span been any longer than what potentially Flacco could be doing? That would be another one that, yeah. Yeah, it's a story yeah. to follow. It's, yeah, it's very cool. But yes, David Njoku, I've got as the hero because he he's benefited from that. He's he's, he's in his seventh year in the NFL and he just put up, put up his greatest ever career yardage game in the Fantasy yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah. Thank you, Njoku. Thank you. All right, what about the zeros there, Max? Uh, who were you not impressed with this week? So this is a probably a controversial take, but... The zero that I've picked this week is Christian McCaffrey. Mm. CMC. He put up 13 fantasy points, which normally you'll take that. Running back 13 points. If if you got that every week, you'd be pretty pleased. But if you got to the Super Bowl with McCaffrey, you were not there expecting 13 fantasy points. So I've been deep diving on CMC over the last couple of days. And the stats are genuinely unbelievable. So the gap between Christian McCaffrey at running back one and Raheem Mostert at running back two in terms of fantasy points produced this year is bigger than the gap between Raheem Mostert and Chuba Hubbard at running back 28. Wow. Okay. There are 102.6 points between CMC and Mostert and 102.4 between Mostert and Chuba Hubbard. Wow. So the positional wow. value difference that you got from one to two yeah. was more than 100 points. That's that's incredible. That's a great stat. Man, I, I would have thought Mostert, not looking it up, was, I don't know, 30 points behind or something like that. You know, maybe, maybe a game and a half or something behind. Like if you were to just draft Christian McCaffrey as your only running back and do sort of a waiver wire swap and switch every week, just getting six or eight points from whoever happened to be alive. (laughs) Yeah. You would be getting more points than if you had David Montgomery and Saquon Barkley for the whole year. (laughs) If you draft CMC, you don't need another running back. So I saw a stat and I think it's from Yahoo, which I don't play in, but they do a lot of fantasy football leagues as well. 58.9% 58.9% of teams that had Christian McCaffrey were in the fantasy Super Bowl. Mm. Yeah, so I if you that. drafted him yeah. on draft day, you immediately had a better than one out of two chance of being in the big dance at the end of the year, irrespective of every other loser on your team. Any, anything else going on, yeah. I mean, I think, just memory, I was drafting in the fifth position, this year in my home league, and he fell to me. 
and it was like, yeah, that's that's a no brainer. That's he's coming. Come along. Welcome that, to the team, Christian. Yes, I mean, and, and that's that is the classic example. I mean, you should never have been getting him at fifth. That means that some poor idiot took Austin Eckler. <laughs> it's had a terrible year watching you succeed. But <laughs> if you draft in those top four positions, you have opportunities that nobody else in your league has. You know, if someone yeah. was drafting at 10, they never got the chance at a 50% chance to be in the Super Bowl. Um, and this sounds a lot like a CMC appreciation post, but the point is he puts up <laughs> 24 fantasy points a game. Yes. You know, as an average. So if you were to get into the final on the back of seeing him put up 24 fantasy points a game, and then he leaves with a calf injury midway through the third quarter after putting up 15 points, that is not what you budgeted for. No. No, it would have cost it would have cost people, there's no doubt about it. Last no week twenty five. Week before forty one. Week before that sixteen. Twenty two. Thirty. Twenty one. Twenty. He's barely dipped below twenty points since the bye week. And he puts up thirteen in the biggest day of the year. You would have been better benching him for David Njoku. The amount of multi bets uh that would have got lost because they would have had McCaffrey as a touchdown scorer, anytime yeah. touchdown scorer. That just got wiped off the board, you know, like and Tyreek Hill and Mike Evans and, and yeah, lots of people. But you know, McCaffrey's just a lock every every day, every game. Yeah, yeah, man, that's I can't, I can't, I still can't get over that stat of how big the distance is between him and most most did and then everyone else. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, my zero look, similar position as McCaffrey. I feel you had no option but to play this wide receiver. Uh, he was inactive the week prior, and was given but was given the green light this week. Uh, his team was fighting to keep their playoff dreams alive. He is the number one target for the team, and he's won you plenty of matchups when he's healthy and fit, and when he's got his elite QB starting. But the bubble burst for Jamar Chase, and if you did play him, his forty-one yards and no touchdowns his seven fantasy points would have left you reeling. But you can't, you would not have not played him. You know, he's he's an absolute game winner when he goes off. We've seen the damage he can do when Burrow's throwing to him. Browning has still been good for him. I don't know about the injury in regards to whether they brought him back because this was a do-or-die game. Uh, the Brown, uh, the Bengals are now out. They, they can't make the playoffs. Had they won their chances were still alive. So did they bring him back a week too early? What you know, was his role not his usual number one target role? Uh yeah, I, I just looked at his fantasy numbers and was like he he would have cost many people this week. Yeah. I mean I, I have Jamar Chase in my home league and it's been a pretty tough year to own him. It's you can't. You've never sit. You've never sat him when he's yeah. You've never sat him when he's healthy, right? If he's no. If he's I mean, look, active, we've been doing the yeah. exact same thing with Justin Jefferson, right? Yep. It, he's he's your top five pick in the draft, coming back from injury with a dodgy quarterback. He should be getting all the touches all game long. Every crappy throw that that backup quarterback makes should be to this player. There is no one in the world who should be benching Jamar Chase in their Super Bowl, unless they've traded for Mike Evans, Justin Jefferson, and Tyreek Hill. 
for example. You know, you, you just you just couldn't possibly be benching him. But I think this is one of those areas of fantasy football where it is really, really hard to deal with the realities of real football. We've seen this happen last year, I think, because week 17, which was the fantasy final, Tennessee was playing Jacksonville or something like that, but because of the way the standings worked in their division, it didn't matter who won because it was going to be the win the subsequent week that put those two teams into the playoff. So Derek Henry played one quarter and then got benched, and Trevor Lawrence played one quarter and got benched. The realities of the real football team might be that, yes, it's a must-win game, no, Jamar Chase isn't 100% healthy, but we're going to put him out there to run decoy routes so the cornerbacks chase him. And the, the We are always expecting that everybody's giving 100% 100% of the time. Yes. Teams don't do that. But no. they're not going to tell you in advance. They're not going to do that. No. Well, you mentioned it last week as far as, uh, was it DJ Moore? Yeah. Left the game, came back on, and probably just ran routes to take a defender away from other routes, but was never going to get the baller back again. He, he's fit enough to run, but not fit enough to catch the ball or, or whatever. Not fit enough to take contact or no. whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you see it, but, oh, man, you don't like it. <laughs> as far as a fantasy player, you don't like it at all. So, yeah. Yeah. Sorry sorry for all those that started Jamar Chase in your uh, fantasy championship game because you you may have got got away with a, a win on other people, but the ones that I saw were on the on the losing side. I'm afraid. So tough one, uh, Max. We haven't talked about the final game of the uh, year: the Vikings taking on the Packers. Um, any any reason why we haven't talked about that? Or uh... I can't see any good reason not to talk about it. <laughs> Well, here's here's why I even I'm not talking about it. I didn't actually see a single snap. Uh, I obviously know the score. It, well, we got an absolute beating. But for me, when we made the decision to start our rookie QB, I was like, oh, I guess that's our season done. We we don't we're not we don't care about the playoffs because we've either made the decision that. Even if we did make the playoffs, we're going to get blown out of the water a first week or whatever. So why not roll out the cube, the rookie QB, see what he's made of, throw him in the fire, sink or swim, and then we know what we've what we're dealing with with years to come or whatever. You know, like we we have this position where we don't have a QB for next year. Cousins is out of contract. Let's see what we've got. Uh, it was a bit hard for me to swallow. I was very nervous. Obviously, knowing Jefferson was going to play. As a Vikings fan, would you rather have seen Mullins out there? Yes. So this was Jaron Hall's first start, second start. He's, I don't know if he still played a full game. But if, if we put aside the Vikings-Packers game, last week, Nick Mullins lost to the Lions. Week before that, Nick Mullins lost to the Bengals. Week before that, the Vikings won 3-0 over the Raiders. Week before that, lost to the Bears. Week before that, lost to the Broncos. So do you think that Nick Mullins was going to win this game? Mm, that's a fair That's a fair question. Uh, mm, no. No, so, so yeah, maybe the pivot was, why not? Because Mullins wasn't getting the job done. Yeah, because I mean, like, we look at Mullins from fantasy perspective and say, you know, Justin Jefferson popping off. But the fact is the Vikings were losing. Yep. 
I think the Vikings were in a terrible situation here where they were on the cusp of making the playoffs yeah, and had no chance of progressing through the playoffs. Exactly. Yep. Which is a sucky position to be in because you want to play to win, but at this point you're probably better to end up with a better draft pick next year, particularly because you might be reaching for a quarterback. Yeah. I think you're. I think you're very right there. Did you? You didn't see the game. You haven't watched any. No, I, I came home and watched the replay because yep. I had seen the score and I thought this is something I want to have to watch. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that was partly why I haven't watched it because. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what I want to bathe myself in glory at the moment. Don't uh, don't need any of that negativity uh, in my yeah. life. Thank you. It does make for something of a nerve wracking next week, though. So I was, I watched the replay of the. Packers Vikings game, and then I watched a replay of the Steelers Seahawks game, which I didn't know the outcome of because mm-hmm. the Steelers needed to beat the Seahawks to open the door for the Packers to be in a win and in scenario next week. Mm-hmm. So, last week of the season, the Packers just need to beat the Bears to get into the playoffs. Yep. That's all they need. That's all they need. And the last time that the Bears beat the Packers was in December of 2018. So this narrative is really setting itself up. (laughs) To go the other way, you think? For Justin Fields to come rolling into Lambeau and just pull the rug right out from underneath us. We will It's definitely one I'll be watching. Uh, definitely one I'll be keeping an eye on. Exciting week of uh, football next week. Um, we, no future fantasy um, segment this week, obviously, because, look, every game is going to be pretty cool to watch. Um, playoffs, left, right, and center. Um, you know, we're getting to the pointy end of the uh, actual NFL um, season, and uh, every game thereon becomes super exciting. So um, it's nice to kind of have fantasy put the beard and then you can just enjoy rooting for your team or not as the case may be yeah i mean it's really unfortunate for you because it's about this time of year that my focus goes 100 percent onto green bay yes yeah you know it's it's always usually tempered by oh do i want aaron jones to score 24 or do i whereas now for the for the one week between the end of the fantasy season and the playoffs you can actually start rooting for your team with no qualifications yep yeah, yeah, no. Uh, I'm not sure who I'm going to be rooting for in the playoffs yet. Um, no, no, probably not Green Bay. Um, Love. Yeah, no, I don't think that's uh, my Browns. Actually, probably the Browns, which would be weird. But um, in you wouldn't have said that at the start of the year, and you no. should not be saying it now. No, that is very weird to say. Um, yeah, it does mean Deshaun Watson's probably going to get a ring if they do do it. Mm-hmm. And don't don't want that. So, yeah. how about the Rams? Anyway, pretty well, spicy. You could get on the Kyron Williams bandwagon. I could, I could do that. Yeah, yeah, that that wouldn't feel too icky. Um, I mean, the Bills still have a chance, or have they? Oh, so, can we hang on to the Bills for a second? They yeah. are in a ridiculous position next week. Mm-hmm. If they win, they. What looks like will happen, they will. If they win, they will win their division and be the number two seed in the AFC. If they lose, they don't make the playoffs. Right. So winning in, in the best way possible. Yeah. But the fact that you 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 go from like the the possible outcomes are the number two seed 
or oh. gone. That's ridiculous. Like the, the Packers are playing for the number seven seed. And they, I've just seen, so they are prime time, the very last game of the round, Bills versus Dolphins mm-hmm. in, in Miami. Yep. Wow. Okay. Yep. That's That will be appointment viewing. Yes. Clear your schedules. It'll be, what, my first day back at work, I think. So that's great. Um, yeah, no uh, no Tuesday games, New Zealand time. So, yep, that's Monday, Monday afternoon. Great. Great, great way to Perfect. get back into it. <laughs> All right, Max. Well, I like I said, I reckon we've got probably one more, one more little podcast in us just to wrap up the uh, the year and maybe some thoughts on on how the season's gone and again uh, look towards next year and maybe some strategies we'll be trying or not trying and things mm-hmm. that we've seen this year. But feels feels like the right thing to do to to wrap up this year. Yeah, I think particularly given the weird season that's been, it's sort of. In the Chinese Zodiac, I think it was the year of the backup quarterback. It was <laughs> it was just the strangest ever season of fantasy yeah. football. Um, before we wrap up the show, I just have to check a stat out there for the Please. karma gods to come and smite me for. Jordan Love, this year, through 16 games, now has more passing yards and passing touchdowns than any quarterback in the Chicago Bears history. It's a pleasure.